Good morning. It is Monday. It's 8.45 a.m. July 29th. Um, yeah, I slept in a little bit today. Really needed to sleep in. Um, I usually wake up around 6 lately. So yeah, I woke up around 8.30. Hope you guys had a great week. Um, it's been a busy week over here as usual. Um, lots of commerce. Where do I begin? <laughs> a bunch of interesting things happened on Friday, so I can start there and then kind of branch out. But um, yeah, so Friday I saw there was going to be a, two sales in the Richmond Sunset District. So I got up pretty early and somehow I didn't get out of the house as early as I wanted to, but you know, I was, I got up really early with the hopes of, you know, getting a good spot in line. Um, so when you go to state sales, if you're really fanatical about it, you'll, you'll get there as early as possible and write your name on a list. Um, and then, you know, you'll get to be one of the first people to be let in, hopefully. So I get dropped off at the first place, but before I, before I get to dropped off, um, you know, I'm in a rideshare and the rideshare picks up Omar, who's a neighbor and friend and is also Rose's boyfriend. And, you know, we're like, oh, tra-la-la, good to see you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we get to talking about the about horror films and stuff because I, I wanted to see Annabelle Comes Back. And um, Annabelle is about a um, haunted and cursed doll who is neutralized by this kind of missionary exorcist couple. Even though... In real, it's based on a true story, but so in real life they're kind of like charlatans. But in the movie, they're they're reputable and ethical. <laughs> how how magical is that? And um, so we were just talking about it, and you know, type of horror films we liked, and you know, like The Exorcist and that sort of thing, and how Annabelle, you know, the Annabelle movies, some of them are really good, and you know, the Conjuring franchise. Most of the Conjuring movies, it's a very hit or miss. And lately, they've been real bad. In fact, um, so bad that the they were only showing Annabelle at 11.15 a.m. each day. And then they stopped. <laughs> so that's, that gives you an indication. Um, so, you know, the car dropped Omar off at, at Bossa. And then... Uh, it was headed to my destination. And, you know, this time the driver had been pretty quiet. And uh, until Omar got out of the car. And then he said, you know, I've had some problems myself with haunting and possession. And I, and I you know, of course, you know, when somebody tells you that, you know, you say, oh, really? tell me all about it because you know they're just dying to tell you I mean 
So, um, you know, and it's probably going to be pretty interesting too. Um, and it was, so yeah, this driver proceeded to tell me that his house, um, it was an apartment actually in Oakland had been haunted and that it started out with, uh, the demons or, or entities throwing records, his, his like albums, across the room it was really cold in there it would get it was like dark in some places and wouldn't light up it had a um, foul odor in the room constantly like a very strange foul odor would just come into the room and then things just started to escalate like lights turning off and on him them coming into his room and like at nighttime like he said he felt like they were suffocating him and then he said they tried to mount me sexually and i i was kind of like you know hold the foam here uh where is this going um but yeah he said that they they literally were tried to turn him over and do things to him and that this happened every night that that he would wake up with scratches and bruises from them like beating him and it just got it got really really bad the last straw was when he had the he was surrounded in the room by these all these like like a gang he said of dark shadows and I was just like oh wow man um he said that I said, why do you think that was happening? Do you think that it was a ghost from, you know, before you lived there or, or what? And he said that they were following him around. Okay. And that, that it was because he wanted to be a clairvoyant because he had clairvoyant skills. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I'm not cynical at all about anything that comes to this kind of thing because, you know, I was raised Pentecostal, and even though I am not a Pentecostal anymore, and I identify as agnostic, I definitely have heard many stories of alleged demonic possession and harassment and intrusion, and lots of stories about the spirit world growing up. So I just, you know, I just, I did not poke too hard even though I think I could have so he said he was studying he wanted to be a clairvoyant and he had gone to a psychic to kind of help him get some guidance on this demonic harassment he was receiving and he said he feared possession as well he felt he felt like they were trying to possess him and he said that when he went to the to this psychic who had been I guess working for like 30 years she was so drained by the experience of maybe the presence of the demons that he brought with him and also by the um, by his situation she told him that he, that he was a powerful clairvoyant and that they were like he was seeing things that opened up a door 
to this other realm, to this other dimension. And that's why it was happening to him. And then he said that he was actually her last client. That he, because of, I guess, his, not only his clairvoyance, which apparently was intense, and, and the demon demonic presence around him or oppressing him, it, it just took the wind out of her and, and she said that she was never going to see a client again that that she was done and her 30 her 30 year career as a psychic was was officially done so you know I was just sitting in the back seat you know on the way to the Richmond district like oh wow tra la la that's that's horrible you know and I said did you ever get rid of the demons are they still with you what's going on and he said that as a last resort he converted to Christianity that that was the only thing that could stop the demons and they went away when he became a Christian and you know in the meantime he almost lost his job I didn't ask him what his job was but it was one where he had like you know a manager an employer or something um, but he almost lost his job because he tried to tell the boss about the demons and you know because he would show up with these bruises and things and you know having had no sleep sometimes it'd show up late or unable to perform you know his task fully and the boss said that he had mental problems that that he was going to get fired um, if he didn't stop talking like that um, and and that they were very concerned. So that's when he converted to Christianity. Um, I asked him if he continued to be a clairvoyant, and he said no, that he he does not. He decided not to pursue that. And he said that his pastor told him that if he didn't, that for some reason he turned away from Christ, that the demons would be back. So he had no choice. I cannot imagine being this man's pastor. You know, I'm just like sitting here hearing this whole story. And I'm and I'm like, wow, what a dilemma. What if you like, you know, kind of like don't really even believe in demons or anything? And you kind of like, what if you also think this guy's crazy too? And you're like, uh, well, I just keep going to church, son. I mean, what do you do? You know? I I didn't know what to think when I was hearing all of this. Um, so I asked him, you know, I was like, do you still have any clairvoyant skills or anything like that? And he said that he still has dreams. He has intense dreams about the future involving the destruction of the world and also of... Um, you know, life as we know it here on earth, uh, of leaders being assassinated, others rising to power. So very Nostradamus-like to me. Um, but I did not, you know, I, I contributed very little to this conversation. I just asked a few questions and let him talk. And uh, then he started talking about CERN which is kind of like this if for those of you that don't know it's it's a giant 
um, it's a mix between a machine and and a an organization. In fact, it's it's two in one existing at the same. You know, they're the same thing at the same time. And it's in I believe it's in Sweden, and it's a huge portal. That it's a, just Google it. It's like this big machine thing that has a big portal to to basically this other dimension where you know it, it and they're they're kind of opening up this other dimension like in stasis uh through I guess I don't know hydraulics <laughs> who knows um but it's it's a danger to to humanity that it exists because if it got into the wrong hands which it probably will it could be used to put people into those other dimensions or they where they themselves would be floating indefinitely in who knows what kind of realm is in there so it's kind of like they they captured a black hole in a way so he he said that when he tries to talk to people about CERN then that they just kind of shut him down but he said that he really believes in other dimensions and he knows that there's other things out there and he's afraid not to believe in Jesus. Um, it was, it was heavy. It was heavy, but very interesting, you know, and I, I don't know, like maybe he does have some issues. Maybe he does have some mental problems. Um, I don't think that he was just some normal guy. Definitely not. Um, the thing with the clairvoyant, being able to shut off the clairvoyant powers, I don't know. Maybe the, it was a, it was a puzzle to me. I was like, maybe the belief in Christ or subscribing to a belief in Christ rested his his subconscious a little bit and his unconscious if if it were schizoid delusions then maybe that's kind of like the antidote you know christ is the antidote um it 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 boggled me i'm i'm still kind of thinking about it it's only been a few days you know um so yeah i got out of the car i i wished him you know, a peaceful, I was like, I hope that you, that you find peace is what I told him. And cause I don't really think that joining a religion out of fear is going to give you peace. I didn't tell him that last part, you know, <laughs> but that's why I, I told him that I hoped he found peace. Um, so yeah, I hope that we all find peace somehow. I'm I'm glad that didn't happen to me. I definitely used to be very afraid of of demons and demonic possession uh, when I was a kid because that was part of my um, upbringing. And you know, it's it is scary when you know you're afraid of the Antichrist. You're afraid of not getting raptured, you're afraid of going to hell, afraid of being tormented by demons and eventually possessed and, you know, unsavable and 
there's so many fears, so many fears. So I got out of the car <laughs> and the first sale was on Gary Street, closer to Clement, kind of, I mean, I guess it doesn't make sense, but like, you know, like in the Richmond. Um, and it turned out to be a fake estate sale. So all these, all the estate sale regular shoppers, it like, I, I didn't even go into the sale at first because I, I was just like, there's something weird about this sale. First of all, they were called Golden Gate Estates, which that's not a real name for them to use because my friend Robert, that is his legitimate business name. So I was like, that's strange. That's not, they're, they're basically stealing his business name. They made a banner and everything. And it didn't really seem like there was much in the garage. In fact, the house seemed, just from looking at it, kind of empty. And then plus they had all the jewelry and whatnot displayed right there in the garage. And I was like, normally at estate sales, you have to, that's like in a room, like, so people can't just, you know, come and take it. So I was like, you know, I'm going to wait in line for the other sale. I'm going to go wait down the street. So it was only about four blocks away. So I walked down there and waited and it was quite an obnoxious scene. There was, there were, sometimes you get these people who, I don't know, maybe they watch a television show or something or say something on the internet that they can just be these estate sale shoppers and they can be this, you know, they want to get into the business of, of being a buyer. And, you know, some people go about it the wrong way. And there were a couple, there was a couple there that were definitely going about it the wrong way. Very diva-ish acting. She wrote her name on the list twice. And she was calling her husband, who was obviously her husband, her business partner. And she wrote his name on the list twice. And I was just like, no, 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 no. You do not do that. That's completely obnoxious and unnecessary. I was, she was wearing these Ugg boots and, you know, no one is dressed in their finest here. Okay. To be grant, you know, to be sure. So I was like, okay, she's wearing Ugg boots. Um, so maybe, you know, those are her grubbies or something. Um, but you know, it's hard to get past it, you know? So it's like, even if they are wearing Ugg boots, you will try to see if that's the regular mode of dress or if those were the grubbies. Turns out it wasn't. I'm repeating myself. It was just, I was a gog, you know, it's like a revolving door. So anywho, she, as soon as the, the owner, the, the person who's doing the sale comes to the comes to the house she kind of pushes in front of everybody and she goes my name is Ellie hi and like just a very self kind of I don't know kind of like a swishy self-importance and and this is my partner Peter and it's like this is a rundown house this lady does not need to meet you 
it's, you know, and then she made a big show of like asking for Peter to get her some water and it was just weird. She pushed me a couple times with her big Michael Kors bag. And I was like, oh, those Ugg boots are your regular mode of dress. This is, you don't have any style at all. You're not, you're not in your grubbies. You don't have any style or taste. Um, and then she, she, the owner started to bring out, it was really weird because she was completely stressed out. She had never done this before, and she brought out a kind of a flimsy rolling rack with some clothes on them, and she was putting more clothes on them, and you could tell from a mile away that it was just like Victor Costa gowns, you know, so kind of like designer remakes, and a couple very unwieldy, conservative-looking bags, and you know, Miss Ugg decided to grab all the conservative looking bags and she's like, how much are these? You know, and she goes, oh, that was a $600 Chumi bag. So that's going to be $100. That one's 150 And I mean, these, I was like, oh my God, this is not an experience. This, this is just a shit show, but I'm here for it. There might be something good upstairs. That's kind of like the, the collective groan that was, you know, silently uttered amongst the other, you know, regular shoppers. And Miss Ugg was like, oh, okay. Peter, can you hold these for me? Um, so then, oh my God. So it was really weird that she kept bringing out these clothes. And then they started to open up the garage. And then this kind of... I don't know, the kind of guy who looks like he chews screws for a living. He was an estate sale handler that probably, I don't know, he probably had, hadn't gotten a good sale in a long time. Um, and he, he had a dyed beard and dyed hair, and he was in his 70s. With He really looked like he chewed screws. And, um, he was, you know, talking up, uh, all the merits of all the wonderful things that were going to be in the house and all these, you know, great artworks and everything and equipment, etc. And so we're like, okay, everyone's like, okay, we'll stay around. We'll stick around. And... Then we get up the stairs, which are, it's a very narrow stairway. The house was probably built in the 20s as like a little, a leisurely playhouse for the rich or something. So you go up all the way up these, these stairs. The lady said there were 36 stairs. I don't think there were quite that many. And there's probably a maybe 18 inch width. I'm not kidding. Maybe a little bit more because my hips are a little bigger than that. <laughs> um, so, you know, there was maybe, maybe at the most a 24 inch width because there was surrounded by all this crap and debris on the stairs. So it was dangerous because it was also dark. I had to use my flashlight to get up there. You have all these people going up at a snail's pace 
up this very narrow stairway. They're limiting the amount of people there, but like people are waiting on the stairs to go up. You get up here, you know, I'm like, oh, I hope there's something good up here. Oh my God, it was, it was like a house on hoarders. Normally, I've been to hoarder estate sales, you know, a lot of people die hoarding. But the, it takes about two months, up to two months of preparation to get the, the house in, in shoppable condition. Okay, it takes a lot of work. It takes a team of about five people working every day for about a month. Um, sometimes less, you know, sometimes less time. Um, but, you know, they have to sort everything into bins. They have to clean it up a little bit, you know. Um, they have to make sure that there's nothing hazardous that could be discovered by, you know, a potential buyer. Like, let's say a bag of rotting cheese or something like that that has festered unwarranted for three years in an abandoned house stuff like that they have to get rid of that because that's a health hazard but that hadn't happened here that had been no preparation I read about the sale on Wednesday and I think that might have been when they started in on it so you know I'm going up here there's piles and piles and piles of men's clothes and they're real dirty and then there's just garbage everywhere and it smells you know it's weird smells like food had been cooked in there and there I went in the kitchen there were lots of dishes with food still on them in the sink I'm not exaggerating it was it was a lot of dishes and then I there were French doors and I looked into the bedroom what I think was the bedroom there were some antiques in the bedroom but it was piled up with all kinds of debris and mess and garbage. I couldn't see. There were some posters, maybe. There was like a an ornately carved, very gaudy chair. Kind of like a Ming Dynasty um, reproduction chair. So there was something about it that looked, you know, fake. Like a fake antique. And it was so claustrophobic in there. And then there was like a living room area that just had, oh, all manners of debris. And there was this murkiness in the air. It wasn't a demon, but it was, it was a murky dimness all over, even though they had lights in the place. Um, I thought I was going to just start sneezing like crazy, so... Me and a couple of the other people, we just started turning around and the the lady who was running the sale, she said, oh, you don't want to see the silver? And it's like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're going to go right now. And um, then we tried to get down the stairs and then you have all these like well-meaning old people like lying, be careful, be careful. And I was like, I need you to move so I can go downstairs. So I can, I need, I needed, I barely had space to turn on my flashlight. <laughs> I was like, can you just let me, give me a lot of space here. Um, it was so, oh my God, never was I so happy to go outside. I was just like, oh my God. And um, there was a young lady there and I, you know, we kind of got down at the same time and we're just like, oh my God, will you believe that? 
I wonder what happened. You know, it seems so hastily put together. I was like, did he, I have, I have several theories about what happened to this man. I think that he, well, he must've had access to the internet or and had a smartphone or something because there were boxes of blue apron, you know, that blue apron food company thing, food prep company. There are blue apron boxes all over his bedroom. And I was like, okay, either that's a box you're using to put crap in. But okay, I was like, okay, so he gets on the internet, he got on the internet. And my first impression, now I'm not a clairvoyant or anything. My first impression is that he got in trouble somehow with the dark web. Maybe he got in too deep on the dark web was an idea that I had. So maybe he was incarcerated. Um, the other one is that he was possibly in very poor health because of his lifestyle. And maybe he died. Must have died very, very recently. But then I was thinking, well, this is strange because wouldn't they be working on the funeral right now? Uh, the rabbi did come by, which was interesting. Um, so I think they, there wasn't a funeral. And also, the the woman who turned out to be the, the man's mother did not seem sad. She did not seem bereaved. I think that I mean, everyone is different. Everyone grieves differently. So I'm not here to judge people's process at all. Okay. Um, but I think that it would be emotionally too difficult for someone whose son just died to try and sell their shit right away. You know, um, that is a huge undertaking and it's just too many memories, you know, and I know that from experience of working out of state sales, how hard it is and why they ask for people to, you know, they ask for estate sale companies to take over the process of it. Okay. So I think that he may have gone away somewhere and the, the family probably needed money fast. So maybe he was put in a home or something. Anyway, it was interesting, but it was also very repellent to me, and I just couldn't wait to get out of there. So then I decided to go back to the other estate sale, quote, estate sale. And it was, it was a bust. Go upstairs. I was like, it was the complete opposite of the other house. The house was basically empty. And then it had weird, like, fiber optic globes and, like, Thomas Kincaid clocks um, and you know that like cheap resin figurine with it has they all have weird noses and eyes they look kind of like possums um, and they're like in these elaborate you know motifs they were there there were some like there was some office decor like pictures of horses running in some water and lots of light up globes. And I was like, this is not an estate sale. That's such bullshit. 
I couldn't believe it. I was, I was just like, get me out of here. So it was kind of the antithesis. Both sales were on the complete opposite ends of each other. So then I went to Y&Y restaurant, my favorite Vietnamese place, and it was closed. <laughs> so then I went to Lemon Tree restaurant and had a huge plate of okra. Probably more, I consumed more okra in that sitting than I've ever consumed in any sitting in my life. In fact, I couldn't eat all the okra. There, It was just too much okra, if it's possible. Um, too much okra. Um, and then I just, I found a couple things at the thrift store. You know, shopping is fun. It can be really fun. And, you know, especially when you find stuff that the customers will really like. But then there's times when it's just a bust and it's hard. And, you know, you just had to surrender to the day and accept that that was a challenging day and you're probably not going to find much. I found like two things at the thrift store that day. Um, two really high end items and I got a great deal on them. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I'm glad that I got to be there for that, you know, unusual car ride and to see that strange hoarder house. I'm glad that I went and did that, even though it was kind of a bust and I didn't get anything, you know, better days to come. Um, but yeah, I think that was probably the most unusual day of my week. Um, oh Lord, I have got to get to shipping speaking of which and yeah I'm off off to a kind of a late start having slept in till 8 30 um but I hope you all have a great day and and I will talk to you next week bye-bye <laughs>